Hi, it's Celeste from Me After Work and welcome back to You Don't Know What You Don't Know podcast. And today we have Katrina Pollard from CP Communications with us. Hi, Katrina. Hi, happy to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you, don't you worry. Um, I recently saw Katrina speak at a um, Microsoft um, small, medium business SME talk and... I was absolutely blown away with how she presented the rawness and the naturalness and mm. just the honesty of um, growing, you know, a 20 year business and yeah. what's that involves and the person that you have evolved in mm. and continue to evolve along that journey. The theme for today is around my burnout blessing. And before we get there, uh, I'll just give you a bit of an introduction to what you do, not who you are, but what you do. So you're the director of CP Communications, author of Unknown to Expert, speaker, your area areas of expertise are public relations, personal branding, social media consulting, and training and coaching. Yep. Anything else you'd like to add? Artist as well. That's okay. it important part of who I am these days. I think um, the speaker and trainer is something that I really love to do too. So I think that you mentioned that, but that's a really core part of what I love doing now. What do you love about speaking so much? So it's really interesting, my speaking journey. If you ever have a chance to listen to my TEDx talk, um, uh, the, uh, being open to yes, my whole I talk about my journey there. I used to hate doing public speaking during school like I wouldn't be I refused to be school captain because I had to speak um I throughout my school um throughout my career I would take jobs or be in positions where I I wouldn't have to do too much public speaking or if any because I was just I'm an introvert uh, an expressive introvert but I just had this thing about public speaking I just hated it I felt I couldn't do it. Um, I th- feel like it was almost a phobia. I just, and then um, uh, maybe about 10 years ago, I, I had this realization that I was saying no to opportunities based on this idea that I couldn't do public speaking. Mm. And I felt that I was living a smaller life as a result of this decision that I was making about myself um people wanted to because I had a you know I had a um I had experience and people wanted to interview me and people wanted to for me to speak and so on but I kept saying no and so I decided to start saying yes um and I decided that um the life that I wanted to live and I've always lived my life like this um living a small life isn't for me it just isn't for me it's not my personality but I was I was doing that so what I did was I went and got coaching um I went and um tried to figure out why I didn't couldn't do public speaking um like in my own mind um and then I started so then I just started saying yes um and how did it feel to say yes it's so terrifying. I couldn't, I can't even tell you how terrifying it was. It was a, a real fear for me. It was like, um, you know, somebody really scared of spiders or snakes or something like that. Do you know where the fear comes from? I think that I just am not one of those people that likes being in the spotlight. I just, you know, there's just some people that love being in the spotlight and there's just some people that just don't. And I'm just not one of those people that... 
I don't walk into a room and go, oh my God, look at me. You know, like if I get invited to a party, I'll find the one person I know or a few people that I know. Like I'm super friendly, but I'm not a really out there. And I think in my mind, I thought that you had to be like that to be a speaker. Oh, that's great. Um, and so but when the first time I spoke, like that, um, that day we went and my coach and I, we went and looked at the stage and we went into the room and I just cried. I was like, I can't do it. Um, and then I did it. I literally walked on stage and we literally stood in the spotlight and I looked out and I had this realization that it had nothing to do with me. It just had to do with the the information that it was almost like I could see the words moving across the room into the hearts and minds of the people in the audience. And I had this realization that I had all of this experience. I had this knowledge. I had this way of living that if I shared it, I could make the world a better place. Even if it was some small way, even if it meant that a, a small business owner would know how to write a media release or if it meant that one person would go well maybe if I tapped into my creativity then that maybe that will shift something or whatever it was that I was speaking about I realized that it I was just the conduit mm. and this whole idea around oh my god I don't I don't want people to be I don't want to be the center of attention I don't want to be was like well who am I to not do that to like who am I not to tell my stories because like that means that I'm not influencing the world around me and so now I love it (laughs) because I realize that that's my way of of actually sharing stories that can influence people so um first time you get on stage how are you feeling then had you already overcome the fear no terrified terrified um absolutely terrified like my hands were shaking and my coach um was there and she was like she was watching me and she said in her head she said okay so she falters I'm just jumping up on stage I'm gonna ask her questions because I know she'll answer the questions um but it was like an absolute turning point for me and you know like a few years later I'm doing a TEDx that in front of 2,000 people and streamed to 500,000 people. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just, and that was terrifying. That was, and I think that's the lesson really is that by that point I thought, I know how to do speaking. I'm like, you know, I'm comfortable. And then I went through the whole thing again. What if I screw up? What if I'm in front of all these people and I forget what I'm going to say? What if I, so... Like no matter what you do and no matter what you feel like you overcome, it's like this idea of making sure that you keep on putting these challenges in front of you so that you there so you realise that there's this if you've got a level of complacency, well now it's time to step up and do the next thing. So do you still get nervous? I sometimes get a little nervous depending on what it is. Um other times not so much. Yeah. Okay, so what's your, your tip to people that are nervous or, or have the fear about public speaking? What, yeah. what would be the one thing that they could do? And so if it's like a really massive fear like I had, is go and get someone to help you deal with it. Um, uh, so I, uh, my coach is my good friend, um, Marriott Rupps Donnelly, and so she's an actor. And so what she would do is so far outside my... 
so she would make me um like we would go to an acting school and we should rent a um, room in the acting school and she'd make me the first thing we would do she would make me do um become little like animals and run around the room like be a monkey now be a bird and like she'd totally get me out of my comfort zone and out of my body like stuff I would never normally do (laughs) you know like the physicality of it like crazy but it really are you having worked. flashbacks now to yeah, that moment yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, to I'm in the room going I'm being a monkey <laughs> like Marius like that's not a monkey be a monkey like oh I my know God. her she's, <laughs> like, she's done a talk for us for me after oh, yeah, yeah I adore her she's so good um and I also so I think for people if it's a big go and get a coach like I'd go and get someone that can help you overcome it or um at least um, get you on the path of of overcoming it. I think that the other thing too is that, like for me, what I need to do is practice. So if I'm in a situation, it doesn't really matter what situation is. Like, you know, if I'm traveling on my own somewhere and I and I have no idea where I, where I'm going or what I'm doing, I try and figure out, you know, like where the airport is and how I'm going to get to my hotel and you know just some of those first things at the beginning. So then I feel comfortable and then I'm right. And I think the same thing as with speaking. And that's that's works for me is practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. Like, so you're not winging it. And I think that's where a lot of people stand up and they wing it and they and they miss things and they screw up. Um, and so I think definitely practice. So when you're del- so that you're delivering it as opposed to trying to remember what you're going to say, just, you know, show up, show up, you know, nice. yeah. Okay, so the topic is my burnout blessing. So what does burnout mean first? Because everyone has a different interpretation of that. Yeah. And maybe your experience. I feel like for me, I've had various moments of burnout. Um, And I am, because I kind of have that A-type personality where I really like doing a million things. I really just, uh, you know, I just have an energy and a zest for life. So... I will always have 10 things on the go at any point in time just because I just, that's for me living. Um, I have calmness. I do lots of meditation and energy work and all of that kind of stuff as well. But it's more around living, you know, living a life. Like um, um, fulfillment. like Fulfillment, yeah. yeah. Full life. And while I don't mind watching Netflix, um, I'll only do it for a few nights and then I'm like, okay, what am I doing? Um... So for me, burnout has happened in various ways throughout my career. Um, And I think particularly with my business, because having a small business uh, is really challenging. I think this idea of, um, you know, working for yourself, people go, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. And every second person is a founder these days. Um, and and I, all it takes is an update on your LinkedIn profile. I know. Like, going, oh, wow. I know. I'm a founder. I'm an ABN. <laughs> and I've just spoken to so many people who've worked in corporate and then they start out on their own and they're like, well, this is really hard. I'm like, oh, no kidding. I, it's just, it's hard. It's vulnerable. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I see I'm responsible for payroll. Like I have, st- I have people who rely on me for their livelihood. I have clients that rely on me for building their reputation and getting in the right media and telling their stories. There's a lot of responsibility. I think that what happens too is I get to, I, I get too busy and I do too many things. It was a long time before I realized how to know what was going on. 
now I can actually catch myself before it gets to burn out. Now I kind of go, actually, do you know what? I'm going to have to say no. I used to do a lot of networking in the evenings. And so I've cut a lot of that out now. So my main um, burnout was in about 2012. Um, I had like a whole bunch of personal stuff was going on. But also in my business, what I found was that there's things I have never been able to resolve in my business, which I just tried to resolve in so many different ways and I couldn't and it got so frustrating. And so for me, the main thing was is staff. Like I've trying to, you know, keep Gen Ys engaged and <laughs> like I've had like 15 years of staff and I found that really challenging and obviously don't forget in an agency always finding clients there's never a time I'm not doing new business it was almost felt like I was running a business on quicksand it was like I take a step I you know sink take another step and I sink and I had this understanding and this realization that change is constant and trying to resist change just becomes frustrating did you did you find that you were trying to resist I was trying to figure out how to manage change because if you think about PR, when I first started my business, it was dial-up internet. I didn't even have a computer because we didn't have computers at home. I borrowed a computer from my sister's work. Facebook didn't exist, LinkedIn didn't exist, Twitter didn't exist. The only networking was the Chambers of Commerce. I mean, I felt like I'm talking about 100 years ago, but it was really only 18 years ago. And so, and I was working from home as well. And so if you think about the PR industry, Mm. I mean, I started my working life um, as the junior in the hallway faxing off media releases. In my career, what's happened in the PR and media industry has changed so much. And so... What I was trying to do was keep on trying to be on the head of the curve and figure out what the next change was going to be. And so we have journalists that I've had, you know, relationships for 15 years, pitching stories to, and they're, they just, they're gone. It's just the rate of change in, a, in the media landscape. And it's like constantly trying to figure out how to come up with a story, how to pitch a story, how to get something out there in a constantly changing landscape is exhausting (laughs) really so 2012 like you're trying to work out how to run this business and keep staff and keep them stimulated as well given that they're so used to change and you've got to change business but also change yourself like yeah I think we both know that if you want something different you're gonna have to do something different yeah was the realization coming from a result of the burnout or did it happen the other way no I think that um kind of the burnout happened like sort of midway through running the business. So um, it was 2012. So I'd been in the business for about 10, 10 years. Um, and I think that it was just this culmination of professional and personal intersection of going, you know what, this is just... Time out. I just need time out. I went to school. I went to university. I had a job for a while. Like I built my career up really quickly and then I started my business. So it's just kind of like, yeah, gap year. Can I have a gap year? I'm saying that now. I'm saying that. I'm saying it to everybody I know. So can I have a gap? I'm thinking I might have a gap year at some point. So I think it was kind of like a culmination of all of that, of constantly managing the change, managing and trying to manage staff, trying to build 
Like, and at one point too, I really wanted the business to be bigger than what it is now. But because for various reasons, it stayed a, a boutique agency. And I'm comfortable with that now. But at one point, I, I wanted it to be bigger. And it was like, why can't I grow this business bigger? Um, I, just, I did a lot of meditation as well. And it was coming to that realization about attachment. So why do you want it to be bigger? What, how is that going to make it any better than what it is now? What if you explored other things? And I think that that's where my art came in and that sort of that burnout came in. I just needed to find something that was so far removed from digital, from social media, from deadlines, from staff from tax, from like, from everything that's modern day. I grew up in the country and I spent um, a third of my life in a tent in the National Park by the time I left home because my parents are really keen hikers and stuff and my, they were teachers. So we would, every school holidays, we would be in a tent in a National Park by the ocean or oh, in a mountain beautiful. or whatever. So I have this really deep spiritual connection to the natural world and to nature. So I just did some reflection and just thought, what can I do that is just not about the business? What if I did something that, um, because I've always been creative, but I can't draw. So then I haven't done art. But what if I actually did something that was explored my creativity? And so I booked into this week-long um basketry course doing using Australian native plants and I just loved it that was in 2012 and that was kind of like the low point in me the with the business and personally and I just I just had to go I just had to go away and do something for a week that was playing with sticks you know so there was no computer there was no deadline there was no, there was nothing other than playing with sticks and learning this really ancient technique. You know, like you can't go further back than basketry. So it's using um, like natural materials. Well, there's plastics as well. It's the most ancient of all techniques. It's kind of Neolithic, really, from a, a humanity perspective. Of so, how do we get this water from the stream to where we're, we're camping out, or how do we? We're collecting berries. How do we get those berries back to where the people want to eat them? And so um, humans develop this technique. It's twining or random weave or, or coiling where it's making uh, baskets or f- forms or bowls or hats, um, or, hats yeah. or chairs or oh, wow. roofs of houses or huts. So um, are you going to make a house one day? <laughs> 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 this is where this is going. <laughs> no. <laughs> never but it's say like never. if you look at all, like every single indigenous yeah. um, community, every, um, you know, you think, look at Asia with all the bamboo. It's a lot, it's that sort of oh, basketry technique. Yeah. So who were you before and after that week course? What it did for me was untap this, it did a couple of things for me actually, which is why I kind of talk about that when I'm doing my talks because as entrepreneurs or as people who are running businesses, I teach lots of women in their, excuse me, 40s, 50s, 60s now, it's creativity and I go into organizations and teach this as well because what happens is that 
we as adults lose this sense of play. It's like playing to us is going and playing soccer or um, you know playing video games. It's it's like it's a competitive thing. But when we were kids, mm. we literally would play to learn how our hands moved or. If you put these two things together, what happens? Mm. And so what happened for me was this really interesting thing. My left brain and my right brain started going, hello, I'm going to chat to each other. You know, like to the logic um, and the sense of creativity, they they really started growing together and um, and firing off. And And so what happened was that I came back to my business one with a hobby, <clears throat> so I wasn't as focused on, oh, my God, why is this business not doing what I want it to do? So I, I had an interest outside of the business. But also what happened was that I could problem solve in ways that I never could before because I had I had learnt this thing, relearnt this thing from childhood of learning with my hands. So now we learn with, with auditory mm. and visually. So we read the computer or we listen to, we go to a talk and listen. But what we don't do as adults very often is learn with our hands. And so then what happens when you learn with your hands is it becomes, there's, there's a physicality to that. It sends messages up to our brain and we start becoming, getting into our bodies more. And our hands are really one of the most fundamental best ways of learning something and so when I teach people um, creativity using like basketry techniques um, what happens is that it un- it literally untaps this creativity and I can see it like I run five-day courses now and the transformation that happens is extraordinary and how are those people back when they go back into the business after they've done that that yeah so what happens is that they can problem solve in ways they never could before because they have untapped this way of they've got their left and right brain working together and so say for example with me I came back into the business and it was like so there's a whole bunch of audience like target audience that I don't actually have anything to do with but what if I actually figured out products and services that I can tap into everybody else (laughs) you know like everybody who is a startup a CEO um, you know an an entrepreneur or small business owner that can't afford me what about the millions of other people Um, and so I oddly I hadn't really I mean, it seems to make sense now, but I, it took me learning with my hands and playing with sticks to figure this out. And so then I wrote a book and launched an online business called From Unknown to Expert, where I'm tapping into and I'm providing information and a, literally a guide how to do personal branding and PR and social media to the millions of other people that probably couldn't afford me or it's not the right time to, to use my professional services. And that was a direct result of me uncovering this creativity and actually spending time um, uh, learning with my hands. And also, too, it's like so far removed from the social media and digital. And I do this. I'm on my phone before I go to bed, before, you know, when I wake up. There's these millions of messages that come in and it's it's screwing with our brains a little bit. Mm. So what if you actually removed yourself from 
those millions of messages and you just sat quietly. I actually don't think you'll miss anything. <laughs> no, like, no. It doesn't matter if you turn off for a day it or does, a week. It's all going to still be there. Yeah. And so what I do when I do this at work with people, um, we go and stand outside and just do this reconnection. Um, I call this standing still process because um, I do this in my life. Um, so it's kind of like the, the, type, the meditation that I do and the energy work that I do. It's like this standing still. Like So we stand outside in nature on grass. Like I take my shoes off. People don't have to. But it's a, And then having this... Um, and then we just do this um, ephemeral art experience where, um, where it's about looking around and seeing really interesting textures, colors, shapes, things that we probably don't even notice in our day to day. Like I notice them, um, but often people just walk past like sticks, and I walk past them and go, "Oh my god, I could use that's that." Like, <laughs> that's like a sculpture, you know, the secret life in the natural material around us. So it's reconnecting with nature. Which has scientifically been proven that that just makes you happier. When did you find yourself stop connecting? Like you feel, I need to reconnect something. Yeah. Because that in itself is quite influential to everything that you're doing now. It's about reconnection. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely about reconnection. Do you know what? I think that it's living in Sydney. You know, um, I just, my parents live up in the country still and um, I spend three weeks with them up and I spend half a day at this beach in, an, on a, in a national park under a tree on my own each, each day that I'm up there. Um, so it's not only that reconnection with nature, but it's actually spending time alone as well, for me anyway. I mean, that's the introvert in me. But I think that living in Sydney for so long, um, I mean, I live in a, a leafy, beachy place, but I find that... If I'm, if I'm just doing a lot of things and I'm not taking the time to go for a walk, um, I'm not taking the time to go and sit on my rock down at the, at the beach, it really impacts how I feel about life in general. So I do think that that, I, yeah, I think and that it's that so simple. Like sometimes the answers, we don't realise actually how simple they are. Yeah. It is just a walk. Oh, it I, is yes. 10 minutes on your own. Yeah. It's so profound in the simplicity of <laughs> it is, but it, it's the simplicity, and I think that our lives are so complex, and I think that we get so caught up in the million things that we do is that we have lost that ability to see and understand the the simple things, and that's for me what happiness is. It's not searching for a happy life for me. It's just making sure that I find moments in my day that bring me joy and it might be something as simple as a leaf blowing in the wind or it might be just making sure that I put my feet in at the ocean when I can and for me that's when I kind of had that realization is it's moments in time that create happiness it's and it's not when did searching. that happen was that in 2012 or was it before that because that is you don't know what you don't know that's that. yeah and that's massive yeah well I started doing meditation um about 20 years ago um, and I practiced um, Vipassana meditation, which is a type of Buddhist meditation. And so, and I explored a lot of Buddhism principles and practices. So, and I've been vegetarian for a long time, try to live as consciously as I can from an environmental perspective. 
And I think a lot of that happened as a result of exploring meditation. And I think that it, all of this is this culmination of, you know, the meditation. And, the, and during that time too, I started learning Reiki and I became a Reiki master, which is a type of energy work. Um, so do you practice Reiki now? So I was practicing Reiki, but I, I'm not practicing now. I realized that what I was doing, because I was a Reiki practitioner on, on Saturdays, I was doing Saturday sessions. But I realized what I needed to do was go and get Reiki. <laughs> give it to other people because <laughs> you know I love that <laughs> so then I have um, this t- this woman that I um, see Sam Avery who's so amazing and um, uh, and so now I do a lot more crystal work and a lot more with guides and angels really quite esoteric and I understand that it's esoteric to a lot of people but it's a very it's intrinsically who I am and so yeah it's funny it's just like why am I sitting my Saturdays giving energy when I should really want so once a month I pre-book it six months in advance so I I don't miss a month and so I actually have a Reiki session or an energy healing session once once a month which is so I yeah really important I do and I go to meditation class once a fortnight now so um I think it's kind of like an intersection of all of that in terms of that realization like a trigger for the yeah if you're a seeker and a searcher which I am at some point in time, wisdom starts becoming a part of how you see the world. And for me, it's not really finding my purpose. For me, it's just kind of like, so really I want to live this life the best way I can. So what is that? What does that look like to me? And so for me, teaching and speaking is sharing a bit of that. And so when, I, when I'm doing a straight public relations or social media talk, They'll always sleep in a little bit. <laughs> Play with sticks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's good to have the holistic view, you know, when you present because anyone, like there's a lot of PR experts out there, but that's yeah. your differentiator. And yeah. that's how, I mean, personally, that's why I connected with you. I kind of forgot that you were PR. I was just like yeah. intrigued by the story and the way you delivered it. Now, how far, like you've got your business and your art and your art school that you've kind yeah. of developing. How far do you look into the future of where life's going to be for you? I always have ideas that are percolating in the back. Like I can feel them percolating. And so I'll have an idea about what I want to do next year. I'm talking about what I want to do, you know, 12 months in advance or I'm starting to think about what I want to do. I want to have experiences. So next year I know I want to have an experience of um, doing um, being an artist in residence somewhere. Um, I want to have an experience. Um, there's an art um, thing in Japan next year, a triennial, so I'm thinking of doing that. So, like, I'll have ideas and there's workshops, there's creative workshops that I want to do in corporates, and so I'm trying to figure out how I can pitch that idea and what who I can pitch them to and how I can start doing that. So I'll have ideas what I want to do in the next you know, 12 months, two years, three years. For me, it's more about how I want to feel. Even though I'm really goal-orientated, goal in the sense that I don't want to be exactly the same as what I am now this time next year, but it's more about how I want that to make me feel. How do you want it to make you feel? I had this, um, uh, this, and people talk about this a little bit now, but... Not enough, I don't think. 
It's like this idea about success. So I, I'm a successful person, you know, like... With or without the business. Yeah. I wouldn't want to consider myself not successful because I want, I'm just A-type personality, have to be successful. But I think when I, I had this realization, when I, the business wasn't becoming what I wanted it to, to be, like, so what is, what is success? I'm responsible financially for myself, um, so I have to make money to pay my way in the world. So I know that I have to have money coming in so I can, you know, have somewhere to live and food and travel because I want, I love traveling. So I want to travel and there's, what are the other things that make me happy? What are the other things that make me feel successful? And so I think it's that, that checking in of like, and that's that whole idea of like, so I want to be a happy person. So will buying a new TV make me happy? Will buying a whole new wardrobe full of clothes make me happy? Um, actually no, but jumping on a plane and experiencing a culture that I've never experienced before, now that will make me happy. <laughs> Do you know like that? It's that kind of thing and so therefore that's successful. Did yeah. you have to um, let go of your attachment to what you thought success was? Oh, absolutely. And did it have um, an influence on your attachment to other things as well? Success for me is being financially solvent, absolutely. There are definitely... Definitely money has got an element to do to success and happiness to me. Um, but how I use that money is the diff- is the difference. Not that I've ever not that I've ever been one of those people that wants um like really big things or fancy things. I'm I've never lived an ostentatious life. And it's totally fine that other people do that, but that's just not for me. But I think the success the success came to me around this sense of failure like what what is failure and what is success and so when I started my business because a failure I because when you're a successful person you don't want to be a failure you know like it's the opposite so you do all these things so that you don't become a failure and being a sense of failure makes you feel makes you feel a certain way and when I started my business, like I, for the first year, I think I just called myself a consultant because I didn't want to call it a business in case it failed. So like, and so, but when I started my second business from unknown to expert, I thought doesn't work, doesn't work. If I, if it screws up, it screws up, at least I've tried. And with my art, you post a sculpture that you've done, that I've done, and I'm like, oh my God, I've only got like eight likes or not eight likes or 80 likes, not 500 likes or whatever or oh wow I've got 600 views on that video wow that's a really like okay you just gotta with social media I think it's this checking in of how you're perceiving yourself and this idea around success is based on how other people perceive you and I think it's just this constant checking in Mm. on Wow, so am I being successful because I'm... And I've had to really explore this a lot in the last... Because I've really taken my art business... Only in the last 12 months have I turned it into a business. Because prior to that, I didn't. I really wanted to keep it as a hobby. Just turned into something more than that, um, which I'm comfortable with. But um, now I'm going, so I've had three solo exhibitions. Um, The first solo exhibition was in 2015, and it was purely about me. It was about me expressing my creativity. 
The second solo exhibition was in a commercial gallery and I knew the way that they would see success was how many red dots I had next to my sculptures. So it was how much money I saw, how many sculptures I sold. And so success to them. I got so stressed with that exhibition. I didn't feel myself. It was successful, super successful from a financial perspective, but I didn't feel ever feel really comfortable in that. And my third solo, which I've just finished, was in this craft and design center, this world-renowned one. Um, and getting a solo there is, is a success in itself. And it was outside of Sydney, and so I just went and saw it every now and then. Um, and I would email them and go, so, so how much have we sold? And they're like, oh, I don't know, we'll check. And <laughs> three days later, I'd get this like figure that I, that I can see that they've actually pulled out of like the NYB or the Zero or the accounting software. I'm like, so that, and they're like, oh, we've had so many visitors and so many amazing comments. You should see the comments book, it's incredible. And people who have visited here that they've never visited before just to see your work. And everybody, and so to them that was, and I was like, oh, that feels so much more comfortable to me because it was about my work. It wasn't about, so it's, it's so interesting, this idea around success and just constantly actually just checking in all the time. And like, how is this making me feel? Am I, is this making me feel good? Is this making me, am I striving or am I just sitting in it? you know so and how do you know is it like public speaking that is it a fear that you have to lean into and push through or how do you know the difference between a feeling that actually I don't have to I just have to sit with and then it's not my thing so I kind of feel like it's definitely because I you know I'm all for leaning in do you know what I mean but I'm also like sitting still and and feeling the beauty as well but I do feel like we can so easy get caught up in our lives where we just go so next week I'm gonna do something so next year I'm gonna do something or tomorrow what I'll do is it and it just never it never happens so I absolutely think that we have to set goals we have to put ourselves in positions where where we we're growing I just and we're evolving as, as and people. Do you grow through more or do you sometimes grow through less? I know we have a lot of discussion around procrastination and not making decisions and setting goals and not achieving them. Then there's the other side yeah. where we actually I'll do this, this, bucket list, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And what are we like for? Yeah. I'm just, this is from my own personal experience. Oh, I like, you agree. know, I totally, so like, it's so easy agree. sometimes once you get through the fear and you're saying, yes, yeah, yeah, I'll yes. do it. I'll do it. Yeah. And then you go, why am I doing this? Why? And how is this, is this making my life better? And I think that's always the question worth asking is like, is this making my life better? Am I doing this for a reason that's going to get me to there? You know, like there's some things that you have to push through. So, yeah, I think that's such a good question of like when do you push, when do you sit still? And I think there has to be periods when you set, you sit still. And um, that stillness for me, that is when I have some of my most brilliant ideas. Like when I'm sitting meditating in the bush, um, like at the end of that. And I think that's one of the reasons why I play with sticks now because I'm, I'm doing one thing. 
I am playing with sticks. And what happens when that occurs is this extraordinary thing of your mind just sitting in stillness and in creativity and just that what it just it's transformational do you think in that time that because your mind is so still that ideas that you could never possibly imagine that you would come up with come through absolutely without a doubt I've experienced it with without a doubt you know in business and keeping up with the pace and innovation and getting ahead isn't the answer then more stillness to get the yeah. ideas that we actually can't get with just looking at what's actually happening now? Yeah, and I think that that's like the work that I'm doing now with organisations. That's what I'm trying to bring in. Mm. It's like we have this idea that innovation is the latest app, getting a room full of people and just doing a million different games and brainstorming and you know, like, that's just like, let's get it done kind of thing. And this, and I think that it's really masculine. Like, like what my, it's a very feminine. It's a very getting in touch with the feminine side. Um, and that's why my, my artwork is, people look at my artwork and describe it as really feminine or there's this real, there's this real energy in it. Because um, business is quite masculine as an energy, isn't it? I, th- I feel that yeah. it is. I feel that quite often I have to sit in my masculine when I, um, uh, when I go into meetings or when I'm in deadlines and when I just I have to, you know, am masculine as in, as in action, as in pushing through. Whereas I feel, I feel so much of success in business um, uh, that we're not exploring now that I'd love for us as a, as a business community to start exploring is sitting in that stillness, that reconnection with nature, that reconnecting with ancient, ancient innovation um, and creativity such as basketry um, because, it, it's, uh, because we can untap things that we can't untap now by sitting in action and being digital. And I think too it will help us reconnect with each other. Absolutely. Do you see that in the workshops that you run that yeah. at the end? It's amazing. I did a five-day residential in um, in winter um, uh, in 2017 and I'm doing another one at this summer school. And, um, and so I had this real... When they asked me to teach this residential, it was like for basketry, but I'm not a classic basketry person. I do sculpture and creativity and I use natural materials to do that. I call myself a fiber artist. And, um, and so I said, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm going to have to do it in my own way. And so the curriculum that I set up was about transformation because I wanted, the, and it's, um, I wanted these people at the end of that five days to have a transformational experience. And even if it just meant that they just sat down for five days, not having to be at work and not having kids around or not having to cook for their husbands or whatever it was, you know. Um, and so that um, by, how, by, the, by the Wednesday, everybody was, oh, I did an exercise and everybody just cried, cried for like it was, I cried like it was so extraordinary because we did this storytelling exercise um and the stories that they taught like I feel emotional just thinking about it um because 
it opened up. That's going to connect people, isn't it? It opened yeah. up so much. And then the con- their connection with each other was so extraordinary after that. It wasn't looking into eyes. No, it was just this, yeah, this story, this exercise that I do where um, where I get people to bring an object, and um, uh, ideally a natural object, and tell a story about that object. Um, but it actually turned into people like reading out poems or like this one woman, um, she ended a really, uh, like a marriage where she was unhappy for 30 years, but she stayed in the marriage for various reasons. And so she has this, uh, had, um, everywhere she goes, she collects flowers and puts it in a posy, like in a little vase. She takes a little vase with her to remind, so she had this little posy of collected flowers when she got married. And so this vase to remind her that she's the, she's outside that marriage now and that posy is for her and for her growth. Like I can even, wow. I can repeat the stories from that. Um, and so the connection that happened from that was extraordinary like so one of those women invited me to New Zealand to do a course another woman invited me to um down to her place down the south coast and so I had I have friendships from people those people there they started this um a closed Facebook group so they could all stay connected afterwards so I really feel like a lot of this work is actually about connection it's not about competition it's about sharing stories um, and I think so often we don't tell our truths and that's, you know, I think it's because probably... sometimes we don't know it. Like we haven't actually done the exploration around yeah. discovering. But I also feel like sometimes, I mean, and that's why you and I probably connected when I did that talk because I'm real. I get up there and I, this is, this is my truth. And invariably there's somebody or a few people in the room that will like, I connect with that because that's my truth. Because I think so often we want people to think that we have these happy lives and where um, people from the outside see successful businesswomen, successful artists, successful, you know, but I want them to see the real, the struggles and the burnouts and the how I solve this problem and how I, and I think that when we actually start telling those stories, people then go, and that's the connection, people then go, I actually had that experience too or thank you for giving me permission to tell my story as well and quite often nobody asks our story nobody asks our stories nobody asks people like, go especially you know how's business what are you how's doing how's business <laughs> and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I stopped going to networking as much it's like oh my god I don't you know like and I you have to have those superficial conversations in places like that but um like the the work that I love to do with people is, you know, tell me your story. Like, I'm going to do an exercise where I'm going to give you permission to tell a story. Um, and that is just so extraordinarily powerful. And in, in PR, the world of PR, how, how much depth do you go into when you're telling story? Yeah, so it really does depend. It's such a good question. It really does depend on the person and the organization and what I'm doing for that organization. So obviously my job is to tell stories. I've done it my entire career. Um, use different ways of uncovering stories and then different mediums to be able to tell to tell that story. Um, and so it really does, if I'm doing personal branding work with a CEO um, or you know a leader, 
I will actually um, do a whole bunch of exercises where I uncover stories where it's not just the challenges, it's the, I'm sorry, it's not just the successes, it's the challenges. Because it's kind of like that hero story, you know, um, you've faced a challenge, you overcame it, you faced a bigger challenge, you overcame it, and then you're, hero, you're a hero. Um, it's like Star Wars and, you know, all of those movies. Um, but, but it's actually those, the stories that journalists and people um, emotionally connect to the most are the challenges. Because they're the, they're the emotional connectors. And so I guess that through my PR work is actually finding those connections. And the, like, the relatability because that's... Relatability. Yeah. So many people um, do find it hard to do that re- because they, they think that people... They, they think that you just tell success stories. You just like we made... 70 million dollars or we just bought a 70 million dollar business you know we're so successful um and they want to tell they want me to tell those stories and obviously i I have to because it's a part of the the brief but it's the it's the relatability it's like so how did you how did you get to a position where you could buy a 70 million dollar business tell me about that that's the interesting story so you you do all these things you know you've got your business three businesses really but if you had to describe you, who are you? I'm a seeker. Um, I'm a seeker of experiences, of connections, of stories, of sunshine, of of light. You know, I think that that that's that's me. And I feel that I just wasn't put on this planet to just. I don't know, sit on the couch. And I totally find that people want to do that. My role is a catalyst in some way. That's one of the things too is that so often we think success is big. We think big lives, big experiences, where for me it's um, the seeker of the small things, just the small fundamental things why seeker oh i just came to me like yeah i don't know that we are ever found i just i feel that if i find something it it illuminates something else and then i and then i'm like so that's an interesting shadows um textural like in my life so what if I what if I explored that so for me it's it's not seeking for the sake of seeking it's seeking while I'm standing still in the beauty of the world that is perfect (laughs) thank you so much thank you it's lovely chatting to you